Welcome back to Brazil Crypto Report. Today I'm joined by Rosello Lopez, who's the founder and CEO of SmartPay. We talk about his experience running the first commercial Bitcoin mining operation in South America and his new product that allows users to send and receive Tether using Brazil's Hicks instant payment system. All right. So we are joined today by Joselu Lopez, who is the CEO of SmartPay. Welcome to the show, Joselu. Well, thank you very much for having me here. I would love to talk about the crypto market in Brazil and uh, all the things that we are doing here in Brazil. I would love to do that. Amazing. Amazing. It's great to get you on here. I uh, really appreciate the time. Um, so to get started, uh, I know you've been involved in a ton of different Bitcoin related things in Brazil over the years, but uh, we'd love to just get a quick introduction from you on kind of where you're from and how you got involved in the world of, of Bitcoin and crypto. Well, well, first, I remember uh, I'm from Brazil and uh, here in Brazil we speak Portuguese, so English is not our native language. So I'll try my best to in, uh, speak English, but yeah, i I born in Brazil. I work in Brazil since I uh, work with technology since I was 14 years old and has been 36 years working with this thing. And on 2013, I got involved with uh, cryptocurrency and it was very, very uh, funny story the way I got it on this. Um, one of my clients, I have a telecom company in South Africa and it's still there. We're still doing the, uh, the service there. One of my clients, he was uh, um, has an invoice, open invoice with us for more than six months. And it was about $180,000. And this guy, he was so ashamed that he was say like, man, six months, I need to pay you. I need to pay you something. I have to give you something because I said, like, I don't, he was telling me, I don't agree with that. So listen here, it's six months, seven months, eight months. You're not going to change anything. Keep doing your thing. Don't worry about it. We're friends for more than 10 years. That This thing is not going to uh, do anything. So that, don't worry about it. We, we can handle it. And then he says, no, man, let me give you, let me give you Bitcoin. Let me pay you in Bitcoin, this $180,000. And I told him, listen here, buddy, this Bitcoin shit, nah, it's not money. This is not real. The PayPal 2.0, forget about it. I'm not going to take this shit, right? So then after, I would say, like more than two weeks bugging and my manager also saying the same thing. And one day Nick came to me and says, hey, Rosal, why don't you accept the Bitcoin, man? Then pay my commission. He was more interested in his commission than anything else, right? So then pay my commission and then you hold the Bitcoin. Later on, you can send back to him and get the $180,000. Okay, you know what? All right, whatever. Send me the damn thing. How does thing work? And then I set up the wallet. He explained to me, don't lose the key. Make sure you have the private key with you. So then I write that down, the key, the whole thing. Send to my secretary to hold the keys just in case something happened with me or some shit like that. So then everything good. 1,105 Bitcoins. Send it to me. I hold it at. That was in March. When was in November? I was in Hong Kong for a meeting with uh, with a bank, and then my secretary says, "Like, why don't you sell those bitcoins? There is a company in Tokyo that you can go there and sell it." So, okay, let me let me check. So then I went to a, a meeting for a dinner with uh, um, the guy from Algox, uh, not uh, Mark, the, his partner, and then he came to me and says, "Yeah, we pay." one thousand and fifty dollars uh, uh on on the bitcoin and i said like is this french guy thinking that i'm stupid that i'm gonna sell the bitcoin 
that is worth at 180,000 for 1,000, really? And then the guy says like, no, we're not gonna accept that. Are you crazy? This is, is worth more than that. And then says like, ah, oh, okay. So then they decide to pay me like 100 and, and uh, 1,100. So like, it's not change anything, my friend. And then I told him, listen, this, I received those Bitcoins as a payment and it's worth much more. And the guy says, no, it's 1,100 per Bitcoin. So I like, okay, <laughs> stop everything. Everything, okay. What you mean, it's like my 180,000 now is worth more than a million? And then says, yes, and we can buy that from you now if you want to. No, I want to buy more. So <laughs> then instead of selling my Bitcoins, I bought like $12,000. I had the $12,000 in cash because I was traveling a lot. And then was going back home, so I was like, going back to South Africa. So instead of me traveling all the way with that money, I'm going to give to this guy now. So then I'll pay the Bitcoin, put it all together. Good. And they will learn about it. So then... I bought from Mt. Gox, I sent to the platform, sent to their bank account, uh, a little bit of money. Then I gave him in cash, more money. So everything like, all right, so $12,000, everything there. So then I started to trade to, to realize how it worked. So then I checked on the internet about Bitcoin and was the first conference in Argentina, in Buenos Aires. It's straight from Hong Kong to Buenos Aires. No stop, like stop in, in I think in somewhere in Europe, Buenos Aires Street to go to the conference to speak with Satoshi Nakamoto because I was reading about it and I saw a few flaws on the protocol, like 10 minutes block, really. And it's amount of transactions that was possible, just one megabyte. Are you kidding me? It's now I'm going to support everything. So then I decided to go to Argentina and speak with Satoshi Nakamoto. Come on, really? This guy needs to change the protocol. This is, uh, has a few flaws we need to change. Flew to Argentina, went so, there, and then were you able to were you able to find him? Nah, yeah. So then I asked everybody, like, uh, guys, uh, what is Satoshi? I want to talk to him because I saw right, a bunch of guys talking about it, and no one said anything about this Bitcoin thing, like what I really want to understand. So how about can I speak with Satoshi? Is he's coming? And everybody like laughing on me, of course, right? So then I says, uh, then they explained to me, Satoshi. Nobody ever saw the guy. Some people did spoke with him through the forum. I went in the forum to see if he would reply or something like that. And then on that moment, because of it, because Satoshi does not be available, was not available, or no one knew the guy, that on that moment, I understood this technology will work. And this technology is the future. Just because one single reason, that is no one to point a gun in the head and say, change, give me the information, give me the details. It's not like all the other blockchains. We know who's behind Ethereum. We know who's behind Monero. We know who's behind uh, uh, Tether. We know who's behind every single cryptocurrency in the market today. We know who's behind. And then if you're telling me that someone cannot trade uh, a Vitalik Buterin, can they can because they know Vitalik is behind Ethereum. Who's going to attract uh, Satoshi Nakamoto? Nobody. On that moment, I realized. And then what I did, I took a little bit of the Bitcoins that I received, the more almost like a million, flew back to Taiwan and bought 5,000 GPUs, 5,000 video cards to start to mining Bitcoin. Then Paraguay straight. And then that was in 2014. 
in July 2014, we already start to mine in Paraguay because I learned how the Bitcoin works. That's how I get me. I just is straight right there on the point that the whole thing works. Wow, that's an incredible story. So you went from from like very skeptical, like what is this stuff, uh, and then within a matter of a couple of weeks, once you realize that there's there's a value to this thing, and you understood who Satoshi Nakamoto uh, is or is not. And you're like, okay, like I'm going to Taiwan, I'm buying some GPUs, we're gonna start mining this stuff, we're going all in basically. And then, so you set up an operation in Paraguay and then uh, tell us a bit about that. How, how, did, how did that all uh, kind of materialize? What was that experience like? Yeah, it was in the beginning, it was really, really bad because I, the reason that I, I saw Paraguay was because I started to check on the internet because when I understood to mine Bitcoin and then you need a lot of electricity, and cheap electricity, otherwise we're not going to be profitable, right? So, and in that time, remember, it was not ASICs. The ASICs was starting. It was just starting. And then the majority of people were mining with GPUs, and GPUs use a lot of energy, right? So then I said, okay, what is the, the cheapest country in the world? And it's easy to, to open a, a, a big farm. And then I was looking around. So then I said, oh, Venezuela, not a chance, because Venezuela, the government is going to be my partner. Thank you very much. No. And then you have like other countries so on the Middle East. Yeah, things on the Middle East is not simple, not easy. Same thing. No, thank you very much. Then China was okay, but Chinese, I was worried about the Chinese mob and everything, the mafia over there. It's not simple. Nah, let me go to somewhere that I can understand. I control the culture and everything. So then I saw Paraguay. And because the hydraulic power plant that is in Paraguay, it's a, it's a joint venture between Brazilian government and the Paraguayan government. It's one of the hugest power plants in the world. So like, well, the electricity over there must be cheap. I went to Paraguay, checked out the price. On, the, on that time, the price was two cents of dollars per kilowatt. That was good because it was a very good price on the time. And then the first thing that I went there, I went to speak, I called a few friends and said, hey, can you guys hook me up with... Uh, with the guys from this hydraulic power plant. Yeah, sure, we can present you the CEO and everything. So I was in contact with the actual people. So then think that I told them, like, guys, I'm gonna need a lot of electricity. They said, oh, don't worry about it, we have it. That, that's not an issue. Okay, point to where is the best place for to go. Then I went to a complex, an industrial complex, with a bunch of warehouses, and then I started to set up there. But here's the funny part. I told them I need a lot of electricity. I was like straight to the point, a lot of electricity. So then it says, yeah, sure, we have it. So then we start to do. Then the ASICs started to come in out and good ASICs. We have a bunch of GPUs, but the, then the ASICs start to come out and then it's more than electricity that we, we need to use. One day we bought, I remember that was in 2015, 2016, 2016. We bought um, like 2,000 machines from Spoonless Stack from a company from Israel. It was 2,000 miners, like huge miners, really, really good ones. Those guys were the best one in the market in that time. Then we plug the 2,000 machines. The whole thing, one night, I was in Floripa, and I was just came from, from, from Stadelaste. One night, the guy phoned me and says, Rosalo, you have to come back to, to, to Paraguay because we have a, a problem here. I said, man, I just came from there. So now I have to go back. He says, you better come. Let me show you something. The whole power network line, the whole power line was on fire because <laughs> could not hold the 2,000 new machines. was on fire. So then, yeah, I better go. Next day, I went there. Then I went to speak with the electricity company, right? So I told them, I told you guys that I need a lot of electricity. And what is the problem here? 
oh yeah we didn't realize there was that much yes it's that much <laughs> that i need so then they said no don't worry about it we're gonna fix it they replaced the power lines but they didn't change the substation so mm. 1,000 machines more later was, I think it was like 1,000, 2,000 more later because machines was coming, coming, coming. Then we explode the substation and the <laughs> entire neighborhood was without electricity for two days. And then I told guys, it looks like you do not realize what mining actually is. So then I went to speak with them and explain to them the whole thing. So this has got, so then it's better you change where you are because on that part, we do not have enough electricity available. Move to another location because that location is close to the, 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 the hydraulic power plant and you have enough electricity. Then, of course, you put everything there. But the entire uh, regulator, they didn't know about it. They were not prepared to be uh, on this thing. We are the first real company actually went there. So then was also to help them. And it was the guy that I told them, guys, your electricity is very good. It's cheap. It's not that it's stable, but we can handle it. That's fine. And then we started to actually to build more and more and more and more machines. But the problem in Paraguay was two problems. One, too much, too much dust. It's really, mm. really, it's a lot of dust there. Then the other problem is on the summer, it's a 50 degrees Celsius outside. It's really, really hot on the summer. So imagine it's hot outside. Then it's even hotter inside. And you need to drop the temperature to around like 30, 30, 32 degrees. It's complicated. It's not simple like you have in, in, in North Pole and South Pole, like mining farms over there, like in South of Argentina. Yeah, then it's fine because it's cold. But in Paraguay during the summer, that was the biggest challenge that we had. But we, we managed to fix that. But what in the beginning was really, really hard. Then we mined in 2019, we sold the, the whole... A uh, mining farm, we had, I think, like 12,000 machines, and it, they still, for a, for a Chinese group, they still mining. I think now they have like more than 25,000 machines right there. But it was an adventure because no one is ready, and Paraguay was not ready. Today, they have a very good uh, uh, licensed mining thing, uh, regulation. Everybody understands the power plants, they understand. Everybody understands now. But we, on 2014, they didn't. So it was a nightmare for us. <laughs> So you were the first commercial operation to be mining bitcoins in Paraguay then, or you were the first well, in said, South America. In, in, in South, South America. America. In South America. Yeah, anywhere. In okay. South America. We are the first one. Yeah, the first one. Interesting. 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 And then, and that's super interesting. I mean, yeah, you encountered basically every problem in the book. There it seems from from like you know sourcing the the or sourcing the GPUs and the hardware to finding an acceptable power plant, and then you know dealing with these. The power the guys at the power plant who are like oh yeah sure we've got energy uh how much do you need and then you show up and then the whole thing is on fire <laughs> and the, the, the town is without power for a couple of days uh and then you got to figure out how to cool it and i suppose that was that was maybe in the early days before some of these you know kind of like immersive cooling technologies and techniques had really been maybe developed and and maybe you guys even helped develop some of those things i suppose you, you probably had to figure it out how to how to do all that right um, so now are, are you fully divested out of mining at this point or are you still involved in that? Uh, in, in well, a, in I'm still involved. I'm still involved a little bit with, uh, there is a few countries that I am their uh, advisor in mining. Uh, countries, uh, it's the government mining. Uh, the three in total at the moment. Uh, I'm sorry, I cannot mention those countries, but yes, a few countries that some of the countries, like people have no idea that they are mining, but they are mining 
because it's a way for them to, and they're using, they are not selling the Bitcoins. Huh? Uh, they are actually holding the Bitcoins because, or either because they have problem with the Americans or because they don't have uh, uh, US dollars as a reserve. So they are creating reserves because they are countries. Um, they have enough energy for free, for free, right? So we know it's not for free, mm. but for the government, it's kind of free because it's the people that was paying, but they are creating reserves on that one. Um, there is a two mine farms in Paraguay that I'm still being the advisors and what to do, how to do. And um, there is one thing that probably no one, um, a lot of people, they don't understand that and they don't know that. Uh, a lot of people, they think buying Bitcoin from a miner, from miners is, um, is cheaper than buying Bitcoin on exchange. You're wrong if you think like that. Average price for a Bitcoin, for a mining farm, it's 20% more than what is in the market. A lot of people say, oh, I'm going to buy Bitcoin from miners because I'm going to pay. It's cheap because they are mining. No, it's not. It's more expensive. And then there is a reason because it's more expensive. Uh, let's say funds, those funds, they buy from those guys. They pay up front because they are betting that the price is going to go up. And they don't want to be buying on exchange, on OTC desk because they don't want to see the people or the companies or the exchange see that they are buying. So they don't want to make that public. But on exchange, you can follow the order book and then you can see if there is a lot of guys buying and you can take uh, uh, an action on that one, right? But when you mine from, when you buy from a mining uh, a facility, a mining farm, that is if no one can see because it's all the blocks coming out, coming out, coming out. So the investment funds, they go there and they buy upfront, but they are buying future on future so then they are buying 20% on top of it and they pay up front so the miner you're going to get the money you're going to pay this you're going to pay everything and going to keep investing on the mining farm that one way to to buy and then the other guys that is actually buying from mining farms is um there is a way for them to kind of get the illegal money that they cannot put on a bank account and then they buy the mining farm and then they go to the government and say yeah all my money, I mine Bitcoin, and here's the proof. It's on the blockchain. There is no way to say no. It's in a blockchain. It's my machine, mine that block, and I got 6.25 Bitcoins, which is today, right? So that's a, a, another mm. way. In, in Paraguay, we had situations like that. Some guys walking with a bag full of money telling us, I want to buy your entire production of Bitcoin. And I said, my friend, I am the only mine fund regulated in Paraguay. Sorry, but all my Bitcoins are already sold. I cannot sell it to you because I already sold to an investment group that paid me up front. Thank you very much for your offer. And they're offering like 20% more than actually the market is because that money you cannot put in the bank. Most of people, they don't know that, but a lot of mine farms all over, all over the world are facing those kind of uh, requests. That's interesting. I, I haven't heard of this before. This is super interesting. Um, how, how much does the, the I, I know there's a kind of a premium on like the virgin coins, like the coins have just been mined and there's, you know, they haven't been, you know, they haven't been used for any nefarious activity yet because they've just been mined. Right. So uh, how, how much of a premium is there for those types of coins or, or is there still, yeah, it's, is there uh, still well, a lot Bitcoin, of demand? Everything it's, yeah. Bitcoin is around 15 to 20% more, especially because of a, a, a virgin block. 
Well, Virgin is it's always more expensive, right? So then uh, a Virgin block, it's, it's, that's how it's called. Because uh, for maybe for people that they're going to be watching this, Virgin block, it is, it, no one touched that yet. It's coming from the mining straight to your wallet. And some of the Virgin blocks is even there is no transactions inside. Uh, which is, for my opinion, is a problem for the market because you can see sometimes you see an empty block. An empty block is there is no transactions other than the actually the block that has the 6.25 bitcoins. So when you see on the blockchain a block with 6.25 bitcoins, mean there is no transaction inside that block. So some of the the the, the, the mining farms, it's even they only mine 6.25 and go straight to a wallet that nobody knows. So it's not mm. in the market, cannot see it. And some investment funds, they will pay premium between 15 to 20% and advance for those. And most important, most of the investment funds or other guys that is buying mining, uh, uh, the Bitcoins and the mining farms, they buy future. So they will check, they're gonna ask the mining farm, say like, how many, uh, how many Bitcoins do you, can you produce per year? Oh, I can produce this amount of Bitcoins per year. All right, I'll buy everything. So then they pay up front. The guy keep adding more and more and more mining machines to keep increasing, but he already received the money up front. So they have no risk with the price for the Bitcoin goes down. For the, for the fund or the person who bought this future, well, whoever bought Bitcoins this year and the beginning of the year at $15,000 with 20% premium on top of it, is laughing at right now, right? Because it's 40,000%. 40, 40, so it's good for the for the investment fund, it's good for the, the, the firm, but it's around 15 to 20%. That's how much you pay for as a premium for those Bitcoins. Got it, got it. No, that's super interesting, super interesting. And then, so uh, moving ahead here, so once you you sold your, your, your mining business in 2019, or you, you kind of, sounds like you kind of divested yourself from at least the operations of it, even though you're still involved as, as an advisor, uh, what, what did you do after that? What was your next, uh, I know you're, you're doing smart pay now, but like, what was, what was, was there, was there another step in between, uh, mining Bitcoin and then uh, what you're doing right now? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, the, so the other stuff was in 2017, uh, I was right on the peak. So market was amazing. Mining was amazing. We had like, uh, 10,000 machines mining. We are generating money. Actually, we are fabricating money. So that's something like have a, 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 a print machine, right? Um, that can print money. Really, it's, 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 it was amazing. Uh, but in 2017, we had an issue. At, well, my wife, she was kidnapped and it was a, a lot of problem for me because it was all over the news everywhere. So with the media call me in Brazil to talk about a cryptocurrency, I'm always there. And it was a problem to me because everybody was saying like, well, these guys can make money. So then, yes, they kidnapped my wife, asked for like, uh, the time was like more than like, uh, I think it was more than $40 million that they asked for. for what? Yes, it was a lot of money. Yeah, it was. But and this was because, 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 because they knew you were this Bitcoin guy and you must be sitting on all sorts of money. So they, oh my gosh. Yes. How, yes. How did that, it was all over the news. Yeah. How did how did that resolve? If you don't mind me asking and diving in, how did that resolve? That that's that sounds well harrowing. for four days I was talking with those guys and then when I said like guys, please send me your wallet. Let me send a little bit of Bitcoin so then you, you see that I'll pay. I don't have that amount of money in Bitcoin, but I'll definitely gonna I'm gonna make an, uh, some way for you guys to get paid and then just send my wife back. So then in the last minute the guy says, No, we're not gonna receive in Bitcoin, buddy. We want Monero and we want Zcash. So like, shit, now I cannot do 
I cannot talk with another miners, but well, we had a lot of mining power on Zcash. So then I found Zuko and says, look, Zuko, there is a problem here. Um, uh, can you help me out just in case? He says, well, we can try to do something with our work. So listen, I have a lot of my machines here mining Zcash. I can also can change the protocol and then see something. But it was for four days dealing with these guys. But finally, the police found my wife was taken in Floripa. They drove all the way to Sao Paulo and she spent four days with them. So in the end, I didn't pay anything. The police managed to get her back safe and sound with no problem. But and then after that, Aaron, guess what? I got a fine from our uh, federal revenue department, tax department. I got a fine based on the 115 million reais that the kidnappers ask. And it's about not even living in Brazil. Why do I should pay taxes in Brazil? That's what I got from the kidnapping whole thing was a fine from Receita Federal from our tax department in Brazil. Yeah. Wait, so wait, wait. So on, on what basis were they, they were asking for the money on what basis? They said because there was notice on all over the news that the kidnappers was asking for hundred almost 120 million reais as a as a ransom, right? And uh, based on that, they start to investigating me. Uh, I was not okay. living in Brazil. I was living in Paraguay. No assets in Brazil. Zero assets in Brazil, right? Who's living in Brazil? My wife and my daughter. They check my credit card that I was paying stuff overseas, not in Brazil. I was paying some stuff in Brazil, yeah, for the supermarket, it's cool for the girls and everything, right? So the life to live in Brazil was paid using my credit card. Based on my credit card that the money was spent overseas and spent also in Brazil, based on that, they decide to fine me in 2.8 million reais. Based on oh that, only that. Wow. Well, that's <laughs> an insult to injury yeah. right there. It's okay. We're, you're, your wife kidnapped and then the government's going to come and find you based on, oh my gosh, that's, that's insane. Yeah. It's because, and then they said it's because I had a kind of life as a resident. They knew that I was not a resident, but the kind of life that I was living was as a resident. And I said, in what ground? Your, your wife lives in Floripa. Your daughter lives in Floripa. And you pay everything. You come here time to time. And then, yes, but I don't spend 180 days in Brazil. And I was counting on my passport. The, and the times that I was out of Brazil, I could prove that I spent 200 days overseas. I could prove that. No, they don't care. Your life is as a resident. So here's a 2.8 million reais as a fine. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's harrowing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so after that, you were probably like, "What was your reaction after that?" You're like, I "I'm I'm getting out of this crypto thing. Like, this is terrible. Like, I, I want out of this." Or, "What was your?" I, I mean, that's a pretty extreme situation that I think a lot of people would would probably call it quits after that, right? But what was? How, what, yeah, what was I kind of did something like that. So then I was says like, it's, "It's time for me to get out of mining because it was too exposed. It was way too exposed." So then I got an offer from the Chinese uh, was I was looking for that how that thing happened between 2007, 20, uh, 2017, 2018. And I was looking to sell the whole thing. So then finally, a group of Chinese came to me and says, uh, we buy that from you. 
So good. So then I sold it. So then I was not going to be that exposed anymore. And also at the same time, I was working on 2017. After all that, I decided to sell. Also, I had a company called CoinVR. We are doing like a payment processor. We had a wallet. We had all that. So then I decided also to sell that. So I decided to sell everything. So we're not going to be exposed anymore. I'm going to work to someone else. So it's not going to be me anymore in front of the team. So then I decided to sell everything. So then I sold uh, the part of the wallet thing here in, in Brazil. I sold to a VC from Hong Kong, right? It was a mistake, that one. Uh, I'll explain why. So then the mine farm, I sold to another another group of mining that they were also our clients already mining with us. So then I was out of the picture. But the company that I sold to the VC one to uh, to Hong Kong, um, and I'm still fighting with them in, on a on a court in Hong Kong. Um, I sold them, and then the deal was that you have to work for us for five years, and then you have to change some things on the platform. And the platform was called CoinPR. So then they asked me to change. Okay, I change, change the name, change the whole thing, put my name, my face on it, put so that it was working for them because I sold the technology, and then I did the first mistake. I am completely against leaving your coins in someone's hands. Completely against that one. That was my first mistake. I accept to change that. So CoinBR has a non-custodial wallet. I changed to a custodial wallet. So now mm -hmm. I was working for a company that was doing custody for clients. And I was doing the payment processor in Brazil. So clients want to exchange. We're receiving reais, buying Bitcoin in market, send it to them. So we're doing the whole thing. Then one day things start to go bad with those this company from Hong Kong, and it says I don't want to be part of this thing. Uh, I know this is going somewhere that I don't agree. I was against the way they, they are doing KYC. I was against a lot of things the way they are doing, and I says you know what? I'm out of it. I'm I'm done. I don't want to be part of this thing. So then. Then the fight starts. It's like it's like a marriage, right? When everybody's happy, everybody's happy. When you want to get divorced, one of the parts will say, "No, nah, no, nah, it's not going to be that easy. I'm going to take everything from you." So, it's something like that happening with the same thing with me, with me and this company. And I finally says, "Whatever the fuck you guys want, I'm out of it. I don't want to be part of it. I do not agree with the things that you guys are doing. I just don't agree. So I'm out." So then the guy says, oh, if you're going to go out, that's fine, as long as you don't work to anyone. And that, from 2019 till 2021, I could not work to anything related to cryptocurrency. Nobody. So then I have to stay low. I have to be there quietly. Well, it was good because then came the, the, the pandemic thing. And then I said, okay, cool. I'm going to spend time with my family. My, my wife was pregnant from the second girl. So then it was cool because I could spend time with them. So then it was nice that. So then December 2021, I was able to come back to work again to the market. So then I decided to do smart pay, which is the thing that I know a lot, like payment gateway. I know how to work. I know how to do. So the idea was to say to people to do something that can convert a crypto and realize realizing crypto straight away fast and no custodial service ever again, ever again. So then I decided to do that. And I was in El Salvador for the LaBitcoin conference. I've, I've been in every single LaBitcoin since the one, since the first one. So then I was in 2021 on LaBitcoin. Then BetPhoenix approached me and they says like, Rosalvo, we want to operate in Brazil, but we don't want to be in Brazil. Can you make it work? Oh, yeah. 
give me a few days and I will do MVP and then I'll show you guys how it's going to work. And it's like uh, three days for what? To do a presentation? No, to, to show you how to work and then actually to show a product actually executing the transactions. So the guy says, not going to work. Three days is impossible. Okay, watch me. Then three days later, I present to them the solution working. Brazilian doing the payment and that all, everything that happens because the peaks, the payment in Brazil. So was taking like two minutes, the transaction to actually happen. So user transfer the money two minutes later, boom, USDT on his wallet. That's how, how fast was the thing. And then the other way around the same thing, send USDT. And then one minute later, boom, money in his bank account. So then I showed to Bitcoin and it says, yeah. And they asked me like, how long do you need to get that actually in production? Well, give me three months, then we're good. He said, no, Rosal, we need like a year to make it happen. I said, well, that's your problem, not mine, right? <laughs> so then three months later, we make it work. So, but now, okay, I have a nice product, no clients, because I did for Bitfinex. Bitfinex was not ready yet. So then I decided, you know what? While you, you guys are not ready, how about I create a wallet that will make users actually to use that? So we create the mechanism that converts USDT and REIs and vice versa. We call it SwapX. This is a product this is a, uh, uh, that is an API any company can use. It's not just for Bitfinex. And there is a lot of other companies using now. So, but we create that and that, that's an area. But also we saw a possibility that foreigners like you are and come to Brazil and then say, well, how do I pay with Pix? No, you cannot pay with Pix. And the wallets out there was not prepared to connect with the SwapX. They didn't have the connection, was a whole problem behind. And then I says, you know what, let's create our own wallet. So then again, come, I went to Tether and says, guys, that is, no, that is not a single wallet, that it's only Tether on it to make it easy. And Tether is the most used coin in the world. Why not create something that make easy to the user to buy USDT and to sell USDT so the Brazilians can operate in other exchanges, such as Bitfinex, such as uh, OKX, such as any other exchange that use uh, USDT. So make it easy to them so, so they make your break. And then vice versa, when they want to come back, it's going to be easy. And with the wallet, you can pay a coffee anywhere. You can pay anything in Brazil that has a PIX. And PIX is accepted by more than, I don't know, more than 30 million uh, 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 merchants in Brazil and more than, I think like more than 100 million users in Brazil is using that. So it's huge. So anywhere that accept peaks now can accept uh, USDT. And then Tata says, go ahead, do it. We support you guys. So then we have like the technical support from Tata, the technical support from Bitfinex to actually to create this. And that, that's exactly what we're doing. So I spent from 2021 till March, 2023, developing the product. And then from March 2023, 22, for now, developing our app, our application, our wallet. So all this time I'm doing that, but in also the, the Swapix API is out there, is working. There is a lot of stores in Argentina using, there is stores in Paraguay using, there is other uh, uh, online betting websites using. So I create something that anyone can use and don't have to be in Brazil. So can stay where they mm -hmm. are, and this API will help them. All they need to do is like have USDT uh, wallet. That's all they do. So I spent from December, well, from 2019 to now developing this product. And if you ask me, are we ready to the market? Not yet. I think we are 80% with the, actually the product can do. 
The other 20% for sure going to finish in 2024. And then I can tell you, yeah, then I can go after the VCs. Then I can go after the investors. Then I can say, guys, now, now I need to scale this thing. Now let's talk. But right now we are still developing the wallet. The API for Swapix is 100% ready. But Phoenix should launch their uh, uh, own ramp next year. They are testing right now. So then it's going to be the first exchange in the world that can even receive money from a third party in Brazil or pay a third party in Brazil if they want to. So it's going to be a completely different way that the way operate, but has been two years of development for this uh, tool. Wow. That's super, super interesting and super cool. And I remember you showed me this the first time I think we met in person, I think uh, maybe in 2022 at some point, you were kind of showing me some of the primitive and, and just the, you know, the, the Swapix API and whatnot. I was, I was pretty blown away by it at, even at that point in time. Um, can you kind of just walk us through like, you know, as like a gringo foreigner in Brazil, such as myself, like what's, what's kind of like the user experience for me? Uh, can you kind of just walk us through like how, how this would work for someone such as myself for assume like I don't have a, you know, a CPF or something. I don't have an Ahijé, so I can't necessarily, uh, you know, have a bank account to be paying people with picks and that type of thing. But like, how, how would this work for, for somebody like myself? I'm sure hundred percent. Well, the first thing that the majority of the foreigners, they don't know about the gringos, like we call every foreigner over here, right? Uh, the first thing that most of the foreigners, they don't know, you can get a CPF anywhere in the world. But all you need to do is just go to a Brazilian embassy and ask for it. So you don't have to come to Brazil to be in Brazil actually to get a CPF. What does CPF does uh, mean to you? Not Nothing, because you're not going to pay tax because you're not living in Brazil. But um, for you to pay stuff in Brazil, some, sometimes you're going to need a CPF. So then you already have it. Uh, that's kind of cool. But I know for sure in a couple of years' time, every single foreigner that comes to Brazil is going to get a CPF on the stamp on the passport because they are, the Brazilian government is doing that as we speak, all right? So then uh, CPF is our tax registration number. Anyone can have it. Uh, we're not going to do any damage. All you need is like get, get the number. So in case you want to buy a car in Brazil, you need a CPF. You want to buy a house in Brazil, you need a CPF. It's just because uh, that. But if you don't want a bank account, that's fine. You're not going to do anything. Now, what we realize that is the number in Brazil that is 4 million, 4 million foreigners living in Brazil without a bank account. And they do have a CPF, but they are waiting for the RNA, which is the, the ID for foreigners living in Brazil. Okay. We realize those guys, the reason is because uh, they do not have enough paperwork that is necessary to open a bank account. So the bank cannot give them a bank account because they don't have the whole thing yet. Some of the digital banks, they do kind of, okay, if you have the protocol number good enough for us, we can go ahead. But big banks, they don't just don't open a bank account for, for foreigners in Brazil. And then if you just get here, for you to get the process, to get the whole thing, take some time. Some count, some depends where you're coming from. But let's say, for example, you're coming from Cuba. Yeah, then, then, then it's going to take like a, a little while for you to get it. If you come from, let's say, Syria or if you're coming from Russia, some counts is going to take a like long time, like two years to, for you to get the whole paperwork in order to, in, in order to be here, right? So it's complicated. So 4 million users on that situation. So then it says like, okay, plus all the tourists that come into Brazil that per year is around 50 million tourists visiting in and out of Brazil. Those guys, all they have is a credit card. Most of the people, they also do not realize that. Do you think an Angolan has a credit card with more than $1,000 limit? No, they don't. Their limit is like, a half, like $100, $200. Or Argentina. 
right now, right, our neighbor here, the credit card is not strong enough to come to Brazil and party in Copacabana and get bought of champagnes and caipirinhas and the whole thing, or even go to Jurerê Internacional on, on the New Year's, New Year's Eve and ask for a table and the guy said, is that $25,000 for a table, my friend? So it's, it's expensive. Uh, it depends where you go to Brazil. So your credit card is not good enough. And then not safe, the exchange rate, it's a lot of problems that you, you have to, to do. And then some ATM machines charge you a lot of money for you to actually withdraw money. So we saw that that, that possibility. Then say, okay, what is the solution? The solution is to connect those foreigners to the, our, our payment uh, uh, national system, which is PIX, was developed by the Brazilian Central Bank. 95% of the merchants in Brazil is already connected there. All the banks by law has to be connected there. So then how do we connect the gringos with the bank chain, with this payment system? We need to find a way. What is the way? USDT. So majority we have the reference of dollar. So USDT, let's use USDT. And then why USDT, not the other one? Well, USDT represents 89% of the usage in the entire world. So we're going to use them because they are the majority. Right, every single country you can buy USDT. It's not something difficult for you to do. Right, or go create your account on Bitfinex or Wiley Transfer if you have to, or most of the countries that is someone selling USDT. So then we use USDT as a way to connect in our platform. But remember when I said here at some point, I said custodial service ever again, ever again. Now, what was the challenge? How do I make fast enough to someone send USDT? On chain to us, we get that information, convert to reice and pay. By the way, the POS machine, it's 30 seconds. How that how much you're gonna expire when the guy type over there, the invoice, the PIX invoice on there is 30 seconds. So in my mind, it was like shit, it's a 30 seconds that I need to do the whole thing and his own chain transaction. And there is no API that is, I need to, to make that happen. So what we did, we start to use the message field for the blockchain as a way to pass the information to us. So the user was reading the QR code on his on the wallet or some device for the peaks, attaching on the message field, that information, send it to us. We go to the blockchain, we get the information, we read the information, and then we pay the peaks. We managed to do that in 22 seconds. The new version, wow. it's, it's around, the new version is around 10 seconds already. So wow. we managed to do that. Now, the foreigner, on the beginning, was like, download, let's say, SafePal, Tromlink, Edge, or use Bitfinex uh, using the uh, FastPay. Then you have to, uh, you need a QR code reader to read the peaks payment and then copy that code put inside the message field. Too complicated. So then we decide to say, let's create a wallet that is already have everything inside the wallet, but the private key is still the user. We don't control the private key. Now, the other challenge, and most of people realize had that issue before, guess. Every single wallet for you to transact USDT, you need guess. Guess is the cryptocurrency, native cryptocurrency for that particular blockchain. So in Ethereum, it, it, it is the, uh, the native uh, coin. 
on Tron, TRX, on Polygon, Mati. Every, every single one has their own uh, native uh, coin. And you need that native coin to transact. So USDT, we decide to use Polygon. And then USDT, you need to transact, you need Mati. So all the users will complain and say like, yeah, I forgot to need Tron, I need Mati, or I need this, or I need that. Always was the gas need. That was the other challenge that I put, so I need to solve that. I need to find a way to the user to have USDT on his wallet, private key on his control, and do not need Matic to transact. So then we solved that problem too. So now the user downloads Truter on his mobile. When he has Truter there, all he needs to receive USDT. Come to Brazil, anywhere except Pix in Brazil, you can pay with USDT. And the most important part for us is you still in control of the transaction. The, is your USDT, is your keys, is your coins, everything, all the transaction, all the information comes in blockchain, through the blockchain, through us. We receive and then we pay. And like I said, on a new version, we're talking about 10 seconds. That's how long it takes to, for us to do the payment. And it's everything on chain. The app is still on beta version because we're still testing. And the third challenge for us is how do we make a, an application with no language? Because mm. maybe the guy that comes from China don't speak Portuguese or English. Maybe the guy come from Saudi Arabia, same situation. Maybe the guy from Ceará does not speak Portuguese too. So how are we going to do that? We create an application without language. But yes, yeah, some words, it's in English, like blockchain. There is no way to translate that. So whatever is there that is not uh, is in, in some uh, <clears throat> particular is in Portuguese or English uh, is because we we have to put it. Let's say, for example, legal terms. Legal terms by law we have to put in Portuguese. We, then we did a little bit of translations in other languages. But the other stuff, it's everything. The whole navigation and application, it's based on icons. It's not based. It's not. You're not going to see send you're not going to see receive you're going to see minus you're going to see plus so it's everything based on icons and those icons we are changing time to time because we learn from the users that that icon has nothing to do with actually they want to do it so that's how the whole thing so now foreigner can come download our application our app still in control of the private key and you can pay anything in Brazil that has a peaks. And then to finalize that, there are the parties. There is a 24,000 ATM machines in Brazil from a company called Tecba. It's the largest ATM uh, company in Brazil and I think in the world, right? So they have 24,000 ATM machines available. What we did, why are we going to create a new BTM machine, a machine that I can go there and, and exchange? How about if I connect USDT straight on those machines? Exactly what we did. We connected our application straight on the, the ATMs. So now you have 24,000 ATM machines that you actually can go there and exchange money and you can send your, your USDT to us, go to the machine, go to the teller, scan the QR code, and you can get uh, a per transaction, maximum per day is 2,000 reais per day, but per transaction is 1,200. And then the other one that we connected, in Brazil, we have something called the Casa Loterica. It's like a lottery counter for the national lottery, but also they pay bills. You can withdraw money there. 13,500 13, lottery places that you actually also can withdraw money, right? So 
what we did through Truther and USDT, we could connect the entire world to the Brazilian financial system. So what we did, we built a perfect bridge where users with USDT can pay anything in Brazil, can send money to Brazil. And if you have reais, or if you are a gringo and you need to receive reais, then you also can receive reais because I will send reais to Aaron and will be automatically converted to USDT. So he can go to the pharmacy 20 seconds later and then use that money. So now the foreigner can pay and also can receive reais, which will be converted to USDT. So that's what the bridge that we actually built and we focus on that one. This is super cool because it's, this is like perhaps like the most, you know, sort of tangible, like real world practical application of crypto that I've, I think I've seen maybe ever uh, just in the sense that you can actually, I mean, whether I'm a gringo or whether I live, I live here, uh, I live, I'm, a, I'm a Brazilian citizen. Uh, I, I can, I can basically interact with the entire payment system, whether I'm withdrawing money out of an ATM, whether I'm paying my bills, my cell phone bill, I'm paying whatever, or I'm just buying like a coconut from a guy on the side of the road for two hay ice. Like I can, I can do all those transactions, uh, using picks without needing a bank account through USDT yeah. basically. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, uh, and, and I mean, this is, this is, this is really, really incredible and really, really quite, quite clever what you've, what you've been able to, to accomplish here. Um, I guess maybe a bit of like a technical question just on actually connecting this all to the PIX network. And I don't, I guess I don't understand all the, the machinations of how you actually connect to the PIX network. Like what types of like licensing do you need, if any, uh, to be able to connect? Cause it's all run by the central bank, right? So how, do, how does that work in the sense that like, do you guys need to be, is there a certain like license you need to do it? Or are you working with a partner that has that license or how would, how would that work that you're able to uh, connect in with this system? Uh, it, well, the truth in Brazil, the central bank will come up with a regulation. There is no regulation yet, right? So on that sense that I need a license to do that uh, because I'm working, I'm acting as a OTC desk or a company that buy and sell cryptocurrency, period. But to be connected on the peak system, then we need to use someone that has a license. We using we have a three business uh, 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 partner here, banks, uh, including TechBun, right? One of our that we use their service for the ATMs. Uh, we use Cellcoin, we use um, uh, Cartus, and then it's a bank, and we use Stark Bank. Today, uh, Stark Bank and Cellcoin are the, the the main one here for us, so we use them a lot. And then, but they are the one who has a license. And I know for sure when the Brazilian Central Bank come up with the regulation. Uh, I'm going to be the first one applying for the license because it's really, really, really important for us. But what what makes us to do that right now is because we we pick the right business partner to do that with the proper license, with everything, and then we comply with every single law, every single uh, transaction that we do is registered on our tax revenue service here. Everything uh, we generate a tax invoice for every single service that we do. Everything is on chain. Everything is completely um, crystal clear. Every single user, when they have to receive reais, meaning uh, converting reais to USDT, they have to do KYC. So we comply with every single law that the government asks. And I'm keeping asking the central bank, say, guys, uh, tell me what else you guys need. I'll be able to do anything that you guys need. Because the whole point is, it's not about saying, oh, I'm trying to not uh, to hide information from the tax revenue. No, no, I think you should declare everything, but not give them the control. Hmm. Declaring that you want cryptocurrency is one thing. Okay, I'm not going to go against the law. Here we go. I have this amount of USDT. 
I have, I bought this amount of USDT, I sold this amount of USDT. But giving them the control, no. Giving the banks the control, thank you very much, no. I am in control of my own money. I am in control of my private key. So what we're trying to, to build, it's that. It's giving the user the power to control his money. And then when the user decide to use his money, then we connect him on the payment financial system, system which belongs to the government. If I just have a look on the future, right, when we have our CBDC working here, so what actually do I need a, a, a bank for? If I don't, if I'm a client, I don't want loans, I don't want to invest on the traditional financial system. All I want is to be able to do payments and to receive payments. That's all I want. So basically you need a wallet. You don't need those banking servers. You don't need a plastic card. You don't need nothing like that. And if, even if I need a plastic card, I can go to Zappo or I can go to Tower Bank and get a, a, a credit card that I can load the card with, with cryptocurrency, with USDT. So the whole point that uh, for, for us is that I will comply with the regulation. I will comply with the rules. But I want the client has the control of his money. So exactly what we did. Then we choose the right partners to connect us on the financial system. But like I said, I know maybe in two years to three years time, that's how long I think the regulation will be there. I will need a license, especially because of the volume that we are doing. For sure, the Brazilian Central Bank is going to come to us and say, hey, guys, you guys need this license. Okay, cool. Then I'm going to apply. But there is the other part here, Aaron, that uh, we already have some issues with the Brazilian court. So the high court over here sending us letters saying, I need to freeze this wallet or this account. Our answer is like, I cannot do that. I cannot freeze anybody's account. Because when the user received the pics, it's already automatically converted to USDT. And the user is the only one who has access to their wallet. There is nothing that I can do. I can block him to you to stop to use us, but then you're going to create a new user, and there we go. Then that's it. He's going to keep using. So there is no way. So now, few clients realize that the court, the government, or cannot have access to the money. So those guys already accept start using us. Is a bigger is, could be a bit of problem to us because well we are just a wallet service, right? But that's another thing too. Because sometimes maybe you are fighting because someone froze your bank account. So let's say you are a public person and then you said something about some senators or congressmen or federal judges or something like that, but because you have the rights to say whatever you want, right? And then let's say you are a journalist and then you say, well, this guy from the Superior Court, he's a, he's a clown. And then this guy says, you know what, I'm going to freeze your account because I have the power to do that. Is it fair? So, so then how can you fight with someone that has the power to control your money? You cannot fight. That's simple. But now when you are in control of your money, then you can tell him, all right, buddy, let's fight. But now we're going to fight real because you cannot control my life. You cannot control my financial, uh, my financial life. So that was thinking on that, that we are developing those things to give the freedom to the user and also to give the rights for him to control his money. I'm not saying the guy is doing something illegal. It's just he, he wants to control his own money. So that's why we are developing. And then when the central bank says, like, we have the license, we're going to do the license. If you need to uh, KYC everyone, we're going to KYC everyone. But remember, KYC doesn't mean you lose the control. 
all means is like now the government has information on you, which already has. If you have an iPhone, if you have an Android, sorry, buddy, but the government knows everything about you. So that's simple. <laughs> yeah, very true, right? Very true. Uh, and how does this service work outside of Brazil? Like, can I use this basically anywhere that Pix is? Except there's places in Orlando and you know Argentina where I can I can pay with Pix just because there's a lot of Brazilian people that frequent those places. Like, how, how do you see this application being used outside of Brazil specifically? Uh, one thing about using Pix overseas, according to the Brazilian Central Bank, Pix should be. Uh, they are trying to make Pix international. They even offering the technology to any central bank anywhere in the world for free. So because then they want to other countries use it or even other banks use it, but it has been a problem because some banks are not prepared. Some banks are saying it's too expensive. Some banks are saying some, some things like, uh, yeah, it's not working or does not work. It's not comfortable with our system. So not easy to implement that right uh, on the government level. Then what we decide to do is say, okay, hold on a second, we have the technology to do that. So basically someone pay with Peaks, convert to USDT, and then got that over there on the other side. Then we find some partner, business partner in Argentina, and they already introduced that on 12,000 stores in Argentina. 12,000 stores wow. in Argentina has just the Peaks QR code, a sticker glued on the counter, right there. No system, no funny system, no POS machine, a simple sticker with a QR code, pay with pigs here, read this QR code. So then a Brazilian, they love to go to Argentina to buy wine because the wine over there is good and the price is very, very nice. So now the Brazilian goes to Mendoza in Argentina, gets in a store and then say, yeah, I want to buy that wine. The guy said, oh, that one is uh, 25, uh, 25 reais and you can pay by pigs. So now the Brazilian is in shock. Because the guy says the price is in reais and I can pay by peaks. How that works? So yeah, just read that QR code and then send. But the Brazil not even need to do the calculation, the conversion, nothing like that. Is it straight in reais the price for the wine? And he can pay from his account from Brazil. And some stores, the Argentina even explained, yeah, if you pay on your credit card, remember it's five point thirty eight percent tax that you actually pay in your country, right? Over here, you can pay with peaks, and you can buy as much as you want, and you pay in reais from your bank from Brazil. What happens on the technical side on this one is the Brazilian pay with PIX to a PIX QR code in Argentina. Within 10 seconds, that is converted to USDT. And the store will receive automatically in USDT. Now the store in Argentina can decide if they're going to, well, if he's crazy to convert USDT to pesos, he can do it, right? Because I'm I definitely going to do that, right? But, or even they can trade for Bitcoin or they can send to another exchange or they can do whatever they want because it's much simple for them to exchange the USDT. And the cool part is we charge on our side for that operation, we charge between 2.5 and 4.5, depends on the volume, depends on a few other stuff, right? So now for the merchant, it's a very good deal, even if it's like 2.5%, it's a very good deal because the client, and for the Brazilians also is good because it's not paying the EOF, which is 5.38%. 
and he can use it straight from his bank account, does not need to use uh, MasterCard or Visa, which you don't know what the price is going to be or the, the dollar rates when you have to pay. We call that the Disneyland uh, dollar because you never know what's going to happen there, right, with the price and all the fees uh, are included on that one. So this is a situation that actually it's good for the Brazilian. Can, where it can work anywhere in the world as long as they accept B, uh, USDT, right? I was walking in Paris, walking. I was coming from, uh, back from Lugano, from Switzerland, and I was walking in Paris. And then I saw somewhere in a pharmacy saying, we accept X. So I got in to understand how a pharmacy in Paris was accepting peaks. And I was very curious on the, how they, they were doing. As I get there with my wife, I told my wife, can you well, buy some stuff and then just pay with peaks to see? When she was paying, she saw like smart pay. <laughs> and I like, hold on a second. Can I speak with the manager? So then the girl called the owner of the shop, the, 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 the pharmacy. And then when the guy saw me, the first thing that he said was like, first, let me give you a hug. And thank you very much to create this product. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. The guy recognized me. So then it says, yeah, I create an account with Truther. And then I just print the QR code, the PIX QR code. I print it and then put, he has, he owns like four pharmacies in Paris. And every single one of them, they put that. But look how cool was that? For the counter girl that was receiving, he did not import the private key. He only imported a download safe file he showed me on the safe file and he only put the view version so every single transaction she could see that she received the payment it's straight on the wallet but she could not control the wallet because it didn't import the private key over there it was only mm. in the view mode so she could see through the message fields that how much was paid in reais and how much was converted in usdt so she could see the payment within seconds which on the other machine no, right? So then we could not see that on the credit card on the whole thing. So the guy was quite clever using. And then he told me that he told all his friends that own shops that Brazilian goals to start to accept. So then I was like, does it change for you? Or like say, are you selling more? He says, yeah, that changed like 25% more. He was selling 25% more because the majority of people that was going to his store was from Brazil. And they realized they could pay with peaks and they could realize they could they don't have to use the limit that they have on a credit card to buy those stuff and now can pay with peaks. So answering your question, can other countries use? Yes. All you need to do is accept your SDT, buddy, and download Trutter. Done. You don't have to do anything else other than that. So it's simple, easy, fast, and it's not like the credit cards. Like you have to, some countries, we need to wait 45 days to get paid, to receive and have the chargeback situation and yeah. all the fees included with that. All you need is a wallet USDT. Now if you say, but how do I spend my USDT? Well, let me tell some, a lot of, a lot of the, all over the world, you can use that anywhere. And some banks like a bank from Panama called Tower Bank, those guys, uh, you can load your account in Panama using USDT. That is a bank in Bahamas is starting doing that. That is the Gibraltar bank, uh, Zappo, they are doing that too. So you actually, it's a very good way. And if you come into Brazil for the carnival, guess what? You can use your USDT to pay a Caipirinha and invite me and Aaron to a barbecue. Amazing, amazing. And 
No, super cool. I love this. I love this because it just it really gives like such utility and, and autonomy and and just control, like you were saying, to the user over their money, right? Like irrespective of what of what country you're in, irrespective of what jurisdiction you're in, it it, it just just like it, and it, it's so liberating to both the user and the and the actual merchants, uh, the people receiving the funds. So that's super cool. Um, and maybe just one other question here, just thinking ahead to 2024. I mean, you, I know you mentioned your you're about kind of 80% through the development process of the Truther app and kind of getting everything ready to roll. You're still in the beta mode. Um, but what do you have kind of in store for, for 2024? What's what's on the roadmap? Well, on the roadmap is uh, we are about to plug Bitcoin. Um, our agreement with Tether and BitPhoenix, it's only USDT. Okay, so we can we could only do USDT. Uh, then after a few conversations with, with Paolo and the, the other guys, with John Lee and Giancarlo, we says like, how about if we put Tether Gold on our wallet, which is already there? Because I think gold, it is the future, okay? Uh, as a stable coin, uh, say, but how about USDT? Yes, controlled by a country, don't like much, right? I, I'm rather to use Tether Gold to pay the stuff and then to buy Tether Gold than be using USDT because it's controlled. Well, remember, USDT is paired with... Uh, US dollar. Uh, I don't like much the idea, not because the USDT, it's because the American government. All right. I'm sorry, Aaron, but yeah, that is the truth. Uh, I'm rather to do gold because who owns gold? What is the country behind gold? Every single one of them. All right. So then that's why I'm rather to use gold than a coin that's backed by another coin that's generated by a government. So I'm, I, but it's being used, cool, I'm not saying, but my preferable one is Tether Gold. I use a lot Tether Gold, so I'm rather to use that. Um, we just put a Tether Gold in, a, in the wallet, and so now users will be able to, we are testing, we're still testing. We're gonna be available to the users soon. Bitcoin, same situation. Bitcoin Lightning, uh, also we get approved by Tether to use, and we're using, a Bitfenix node, which is the, the biggest node uh, for Lightning in the world, it's Bitfenix. So we are using it. So 2024 is connect Bitcoin on-chain, and I'll tell something very cool about the Bitcoin on-chain. Uh, Lightning is already there, we are testing. Tether Gold is already there, we are testing. We, in Brazil, there is a big thing called Boleto. A lot of people pay Boletos here in Brazil, right? We are also putting Boleto there too. Uh, 2024 and in 2024 we also put in only ATM machines that is a 5,000 ATM machines in Brazil around 5,000 ATM machines in Brazil that it will actually can deposit reais and uh, so we also connecting that one and it can be able to deposit reais on the ATM machine and then convert it to um, uh, USDT and then after that uh, you can convert USDT into Bitcoin Tether Gold uh, the, over there and then also and then the last one that we're going to put on a, on our wallet is the swap thing so we'll be able to swap USDT with Bitcoin bitcoin with uh with tether gold so we're going to create a swap between all of them so then the users will be able to do one thing really really nice about bitcoin on chain for for the audience that's going to be looking this what is the difference between bitcoin on chain bitcoin lightning bitcoin on chain is the bitcoin network as everybody knows everybody is being used okay bitcoin lightning uh the way we use on bitcoin lightning you're not the owner of the bitcoins your bitcoins is in our possession right and uh, those bitcoins are seated on Bitfinex. So basically, we are the one who connect you to the to the node. And that's why we also limited of 20 million Satoshis. That's the maximum. That 21 million Satoshis, that's the maximum that you can hold 
on, with Lightning on Truther. If you want to hold more than that, let me tell you, you're not going to be able to. So we actually kept in 21 million Satoshis for us to not be responsible for, for that, that much money. So we actually kind of having the, that situation there. Then the Bitcoin on chain, which is the Bitcoin, the normal Bitcoin, right? We have that you be the owner of the private key and you still there. Now, here's the cool part. What is the issue when you decide to pay something with Bitcoin, right? So here in Brazil, number one, no, it's not the stores that accept Bitcoin, right? Some like 0.01% will accept Bitcoin on Lightning. So it's not easy to use, but let's say, you are willing to spend your Bitcoin because you need to pay bills or you need to pay this, you need to pay that. So, and then you don't care about the 20 reais or 50 reais fee that the network is charging because you have so much Bitcoin like Aaron or like uh, me or like Roger, like we, we, we have so many Bitcoins, right? Like maybe one because it's too fucking expensive <laughs> right now, right? So then, uh, um, so if you if you don't care about it, so then you, if you a guy that has like ten thousand bitcoins to, to to use and you don't care about the fees, cool. Then you can use. But what is the issue on the transaction when you send the time block? Normally ten minutes. That's going to have the first validation. Sometimes it's going to take one hour. Sometimes it's going to take one day. Sometimes it's going to take one second. Depends. You don't. You're not in control of it. What we did in our wallet, you steal the owner of the private key. We do the payment on the broadcast. If the payment is up to 1,000 reais with Bitcoin, on the broadcast, we will pay. We're not gonna wait for confirmation. Why we can do that? Because we control the transaction. You have the private key, but who creates the transaction? It's our application. So we create in a way that you cannot use the replace by fee thing, you cannot set a very shit fee uh, there. So we know the proper fee and we know that we're not gonna be able to use the RBF. And also if your coins is coming from a transaction with the replace by fee thing, we're not gonna be available for you to use because until we have the confirmation that those coins are available to use, you cannot use it. So we create the whole thing and we combine with Polygon. So you actually sign through Polygon and you sign through Bitcoin. So it's a two signatures in order to do the transaction. But on the moment that you do the transaction, it's nice because that will secure and you don't have to wait the confirmation to actually to, to pay something. Then that way, it's a very good way for you to use on the Pix network to pay everything with Bitcoin. On the broadcast, we do the payment straight away. This is something new, never done before, okay? Mm. And also the other thing, as I explained, we use the message field. And some people say, well, Bitcoin has no message field. All right, let me tell you something. How do you think Satoshi Nakamoto put that phrase on the Genesis block? It's because there is a message field. It's because there is a data field that you can put information there. That's how also we put the PIX QR code, we put inside that, it's cryptographed, of course, the PIX key is also, we do the we cryptograph that thing. So it's over there. So meaning if tomorrow any Brazilian authority come to us and then say, oh, I want to see those transactions because this body involved with terrorism and everything, All right, go to the blockchain. This is the key, the decryption key. Go there. Good luck. Analyze the whole thing. Everything here is registered on a blockchain. If the bank explodes, it's in the blockchain. 
if our uh, tax revenue explodes, it is in the blockchain. All our transactions are going to be over there. So then it's secure enough to say we can pay on the broadcast. Most of people are going to say, but hold on a second. What happens if the Bitcoin price goes down? We don't care if it goes down or if it goes up. We have enough Bitcoins to not care about the price anymore. So we just don't care about the Bitcoin price. If it goes up, cool, nice. Our profit is going to be higher. If it goes down, well, yeah, we have enough Bitcoin that we bought when it was uh, $180. So I just don't care about it. So this is something that actually is going to be done on 2024. So Bitcoin user or the maximalist. Now, buddy, let me tell. You can use your Bitcoins. If you want to pay a coffee of five reais and 20 reais as a, a network fee, you'll be able to do. And they start, don't have to accept Bitcoin. All you need to go, go there and say, I want to pay by peaks. You use Bitcoin, they will receive peaks within seconds. Wow. Well, that eliminates a lot of the frictions involved with paying for things with Bitcoin, right? I mean, these are these are the things that people have been grasping, grappling with for ten years, you know, plus about like how do I actually pay for a coffee with Bitcoin in a way that like there's just so many, you know, everything from the fees to the the delays to, to the, the the block processing times to getting the merchant to actually be able to want to accept it, you know, all these kinds types of things. Like you, you kind of solve for a lot of that uh, in one swoop here. So uh, I guess now the question will be like finding people who actually want to pay for things with Bitcoin. Uh, but there is there is the maximalist crowd, like there is the crowd of people that are the purists, right? Uh, but there's also, I mean, I, I for one, probably not going to be spending any Bitcoin anytime soon. But uh, but there are people that will want to do that for sure. So, but it's all about optionality, right? It's all about having these types of options and, and building, giving people the choice, right? And uh, you know, that's that's I feel like that's that's the thing that excites me most about everything that you're building is just like you're giving people the options to. Uh, it's like, look, you can kind of go, you're not necessarily off the grid, but you're kind of living on a different grid, right? It's like, I can do all these things. I can interrupt. I can live in this society without needing a bank account, right? I can, I can, I can have control of my own finances, my own money, and I can pay for things and receive payments how I want to. And I'm not dependent on, uh, especially in Brazil where like, it's just, it's getting a bank account is just kind of a clunky process, especially if you're a foreigner. Uh, and even if you're a local too, like my, you know, people I know here who have, our citizens and our, you know, upstanding people are having problems like getting bank accounts. It seems on a pretty regular basis. So, um, yeah. And then and also, uh, like me, I, I tell everyone, I think I am, I am a, a big sign, a big coin max, 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 max. I think I am. I hold my big, my Bitcoin as much as I can maximum that I can hold my Bitcoins. I'm not going to use my Bitcoin to pay a coffee. I'm not going to be the stupid that pay $1,000 for a coffee. Imagine the guy that paid 10,000 10, Bitcoins for two pizzas. I'm not going to be him. Trust me. My Bitcoins, I'm not going to spend. My Bitcoins is there. It's holding. And let me tell for the audience, let me tell what happened when you hold your Bitcoins. If everybody buys a fraction of Bitcoin and not spend those Bitcoins, where do you think BlackRock is going to buy those Bitcoins when the ETF is, is done? They have to buy somewhere. And then they have to offer more and then more, and then more, and then more, and then more, till someone say, you know what? For $100,000 per Bitcoin, I will sell my fraction. Or maybe for a million dollars per Bitcoin, I will sell a fraction of my Bitcoin. So hold it. Do not use it. Become a maximalist on Bitcoin and hold it as maximum as you can, buddy. That's how you're going to help the Bitcoin price hit. $1 million price. Hold it. Do not spend it.
Love it. Love it. Uh, amazing. So Jose, thanks so much for coming on the show here. Uh, great chatting. I love, I love just the, you know, I, I love kind of hearing some of these stories of the old days and how people, you know, get involved in some of the crazy antics that, 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 you know, and you're still here, you're still doing your thing, which is super impressive. I know a lot of folks from, from that era, you know, they're, they've, okay, I've got my thousand Bitcoins. I'm going to disappear into the woodwork and, you know, uh, live on my private Island or whatever, you know, but you're still here. You're still, you're still, uh, fighting for the cause and you're still building cool products. So really appreciate, uh, your involvement and, and you coming on the show to talk about it here. So how can folks, uh, get in touch with you if they, if they want more information and then any uh, final thoughts? All right, cool. Uh, thank you very much for having me here. It's nice to share a little bit of the information. And um, before I, I give my my final thoughts over here, I just want to tell everyone that um, because a lot of people say like, but Hossein, what happened with those 1,000 Bitcoins? I sent to our address using uh, time lock uh, when the Bitcoin did the, the taproot thing has a time lock possibility. So I trust so much in the technology that all the Bitcoins that I had, I transferred to our wallet, which I have the control of it. So I have the private key for that. But I can only get those Bitcoins within, I think, almost, uh, well, now it's nine years. But when I did, I did for 10 years. So if I need those Bitcoins now, there is no way for me to have it 10 years time. Mm. So because I believe in the technology. And then now force me also to work everything again, like everybody. So how, how many Bitcoins do I have right now? Probably like 0.01 because I have to start everything again and I have to, I want to start to build my wallet every time again. All the profit that I have, I'm buying Bitcoin and buy Bitcoin. So I buy Bitcoin little by little. That's how I do. Uh, to find me, and I'm always asked to people, if you have questions, please send me a message. I am, if you say Rosello on Instagram, I'm there. If you just type Rosello Lopez on Google, you're going to see a lot of people that hate me, but also going to see a lot of people that like me too. Okay. So, uh, but you can find me on Instagram. You can find LinkedIn. You can find me on uh, uh, on Twitter. I'm more active on Twitter. Okay. So then, but I have some people that control my my social media. So please do not send naked pictures. Please not not right. All right. No nudes, please. Uh, then, but yeah, if you send me message in any any social media network, I always wanna answer. Right. So and when you think that, like, say. Oh, but Rosal, I'm going to ask you this. This is a very stupid question. Okay, let me tell you something. It's better to the question to be the stupid, not the stupid one that did not ask the question. So let the question be stupid, not you. So then send the message. Ask me, if you do think like, Rosalo, are you Satoshi Nakamoto? I will answer. No, no, it's not me. So any question that you might have, please feel free to do. And then send to me, if you say like, Rosello, do you trust that much in Tether? Yes, I do, because I know the guys, I know the good job that they're doing. So if you think, Rosello, do you believe in Bitcoin? Yes, a lot. Ask me, send me questions. I will be more than happy to answer. 24-7, don't worry about it. Oh, it's at three o'clock in the morning. I just saw news. Let me send a message to Rosello. You may receive the answer five minutes later. Okay, so please do it. And what I do expect for 2024, I, I do realize and then I do expect that 2024 is going to be the year for cryptocurrency. I probably probably going to see ETF being approved. You're probably going to see more big corporation, financial institution, even banks. Look what Itaú in Brazil. Now they are getting involved before they're closing bank accounts. Now they are selling Bitcoin. How cool is that? Huh? So then, yes. 
And for the foreigners, get involved in, with Brazil. Well, what Aaron is doing for you guys is amazing. Sending reports, like, come on, really? What, what else you need? So send questions, ask us information about it. So that how I ask, go to Google Rosello Lopez, then you can see me all over the place and please uh, get in contact, download our application. We're still in, in beta, as everybody uh, already said, and probably gonna stay for another year because we wanna make sure we are building the proper and the very good application. Amazing. Uh, well, Rosello, thanks so much for your time and thanks so much everyone for watching today.